Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have it, Lord, and we can turn to it anytime, Lord, any place, Lord. We thank you that you speak to us through it by your Holy Spirit, and we ask you today, Lord, just to enlighten us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there are more than the usual health concerns these days. With all the suffering and uncertainty of the coronavirus. But as Maria and I are exiting our 50s and heading into our 60s, we are also individually experiencing a more rapid breakdown of our own physical bodies and their need of more regular maintenance. Hernias, digestive problems, hearing loss, tooth loss, eye issues, foot issues, arthritis, seasonal depression, and many more things, as I understand, all come from aging. They all come about normally with aging. So why did I think I'd be the exception? And all those things in and of themselves are not terminal, but I find they can still be life-altering especially when they begin to affect performance in your vocation and in your everyday activities. They can even force you to reconsider what you had thought were long-term plans, where you might live and what you might do leading up to and during your retirement. Well, these sorts of things have been on my mind of late especially this year as Maria lost the use of her thumbs and as I am struggling with rapid hearing loss. But they have been amplified as I watch our dear parishioners, some of them losing eyesight and others suffering with terminal illnesses. And I wonder, as I watch, how I would cope with such things. I had been pondering all this along with the epistle of 2 Corinthians for some time, even before two of our dear ones suddenly suffered life-altering strokes. But then last week, I was struck again deeply hearing about three more people. First, I received news through an email that a younger clergy colleague of mine who also has a family was struck and killed by someone presumably texting while driving. And then at our Anik clergy Zoom meeting, I learned that two other colleagues, also younger, had been stricken with terminal cancer. One is a young mother and minister in a church out west. And she shared that day with the rest of us on Zoom how the Lord has been walking with her through the whole process from the diagnosis to surgery and chemotherapy afterward and the blessing that that walk with him has been even as they found the cancer had metastasized into two other places even as she prepares for death. 
she shared that she saw a vision of Jesus beckoning her. Touch me, saying, my body is yours. My life is yours. And in that vision, she did just that. She touched the Lord Jesus. And through that, she realized the power of Jesus' resurrection was already at work in her, in her present ailing body. Well, listening to her, I was deeply touched. And I was reminded of something that Andrew Murray wrote in his work, The Lord's Table. He wrote, when the Lord says, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. The Lord is pointing out that his body is not so much as his, as it is ours, since he received it and allowed it to be broken on the cross, not for his own sake, but for ours. And that he now also desires that we should look upon his body and appropriate it as our own possession. In 2 Corinthians 1, 4 to 7, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He wrote that God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, that's from the ESV version, and if I understand that correctly, what it is saying is that God does not necessarily shield his people from affliction, but instead he comforts us in the midst of it. And he does that for the purpose of our comforting others. God comforts us in our affliction, enabling us to comfort others in the midst of their affliction with the same comfort that we have received from God ourselves. That is the purpose of God allowing our suffering. Paul goes on in verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Well, how is that? How do we share in Christ's suffering and comfort too? Well, there are a few ways that we share in his suffering. Christ said to his disciples this, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. John 15, 20. And Jesus also prayed to his Father in John 17, 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. So we, as Jesus Christ's disciples, are sometimes hated and persecuted because of Jesus and his word. And that's one way that we share in his suffering. It's not, of course, happening that often, at least here in the West, but if we would speak out more often about Christ and his word and what, especially what it says about sin, we would no doubt be hated and persecuted more than we presently are. 
Paul in Colossians 1, 24 to 25, said, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. You know, that's our job too, as his church, to make God's word fully known. And those examples that I read, they, they have to do with suffering that arises from sharing God's word or sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But is that it? What about other forms of suffering? What about our suffering, for instance, from illnesses? What about what Andrew Murray said about Jesus receiving a body? Think about that. The eternal logos of God did not need a physical body. He received his human body and allowed it to be broken on the cross only for us, only for our sake. As Isaiah says, Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Our souls are what is healed because Jesus took on a human body and suffered death for our sins in that body. That doesn't mean that our bodies cannot be healed by him as well. They certainly can be. But that seems to be the exception, not the rule. Why is that? What about our bodies? Why do they suffer now? Well, think about it like this. What are we who serve Jesus on earth now? Are we not Christ's body? We are Christ's body. And even though, as Jesus said, we no longer be, belong to the world, in John 17, 14, that's what he said about his disciples. Even though he said that, we are his body in this world. What about our temporary bodies now before they are taken to be glorified with him? Does not his body individually and corporately continue to suffer from the effects of sin until his body is finally taken up with him? What about our caring for one another in this world? How do we share in his comfort? We share in his comfort by receiving God's comfort 
directly or through others in this world and by sharing in the knowledge and the hope of our resurrection with Christ and sharing in his life even now in our bodies. Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 1.6 saying, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Verse 7, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share our sufferings, you will also share our comfort. So in 2 Corinthians, we find the meaning of Christians suffering, whether in persecution for the gospel or in enduring this life in our fragile and failing bodies. It is in receiving God's comfort and passing it on to others. That is the meaning of our suffering. But it is not an easy thing to grasp just by reading about it. It seems that one can understand it only by receiving God's comfort in the midst of suffering. It's meaning I believe my colleague has now fully grasped in her suffering and is able to share that meaning with others. The Apostle Paul had experienced that many times over, and probably Tim Timothy as well. Paul wrote this about their suffering. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So whatever it was, whether it was their being beaten or stoned by mobs or, or, or whatever, anything else, they had considered themselves as good as dead and simply put their full faith and full trust in Christ for their own resurrection. But he delivered them, even though they were at that point, he delivered them. He allowed them to live on longer. And Paul writes this in verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Well, today we might not have the experience of Paul and Timothy and probably thankfully but we can have a similar experience to the church that Paul wrote there. 
Today, we can join in helping my colleague and other colleagues who are suffering with terminal cancer by our prayers for their deliverance. I believe God wants us to. I want our congregation to join with me in doing that and putting our whole trust in God, joining by our prayers, beseeching God to deliver uh, both my colleagues from death so that they may, so that many may give thanks on their behalf for the gift of their continued life and continued ministry. I want to pray that they may continue to see the glory of the Lord in the midst of their suffering and continue as they are doing to reflect God's glory and to proclaim his gospel as they are being transformed by it themselves. You know, it's only God that can do such a miracle and shine light out of darkness, out of our frail and broken bodies, or as Paul puts it, jars of clay. God does this when he shines in his grace and mercy in the light of Jesus Christ, in the light and life of Jesus Christ. Our continued use in brokenness, in brokenness, the brokenness of our bodies allows God to be shown through us. It is proof that it can only be him. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 11, but we have these treasures in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. I'll read that last sentence again. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That's an amazing thing, an amazing statement. It's perhaps not the best recruitment slogan for Christianity, but it's an amazing thing nonetheless that God would have it in his plans to use us in this way as Christ's body until he takes us home with him, to be with him. So let your suffering, whatever it is, honor God and be to his glory. Allow Christ to shine in you and shine through you in your suffering. Let's pray. Lord God, we do come to you, Lord, just amazed at your plans amazed at your gospel, amazed that you choose to use us as 
weak and as frail and as broken as we are. Lord, I thank you so much for the lives and the ministries of my colleagues today and how you are using them in this time, Lord, for your glory. Lord, we ask that you would continue to bless them and we ask that you would heal them and deliver them. Lord, that you would raise them up, Lord, as shining lights of your word and your gospel and your life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.